read a passage from the Bible. We've been looking at the quest for Basileia, and, uh, and so some of that story has uh, come to us in terms of Basileia is just another word for kingdom, or it's the Greek word for it that we find in the Bible. And so in Matthew chapter 13, we read the following in verse 33. It's just a one-verse reading. Jesus told them still another parable, like he was on a roll in Matthew chapter 13. He had, he had done a lot, okay? And he says this, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds. That's almost like 30 kilograms of flour. 60 pounds. And she worked it and worked it until it was all the way through the dough. Yeast has an incredible ability to impact whatever it gets blended with. Listen again. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour. Um, the 120 actually didn't do the pounds, grams, uh, kilograms conversion, but we won't say anything. Um, there's always problems in our kitchen. Uh, but the, the, the meaning of the parable is pretty straightforward, okay? The kingdom, what do we learn from the parable? The kingdom, someone will have to speak up. The kingdom grows, that's similar to the mustard seed, but it's, it infiltrates, it goes into something else and then has influence. Perfect. Okay. Um, I didn't even prime them for that. But yeast makes a big difference because of the influence or effect. I heard of Peppermint Patty from the Peanuts cartoon talking to Charlie Brown in class. And she said, guess what, Charlie? The first day of school, and I'm sent to the principal's office, and it's all your fault. My fault? How could it be my fault? Why do you say everything is my fault? To which she replied, Chuck, you are my friend. You should have been a better influence. So we, we're talking about influence and impact. Now, initially, when you look at the parable, you're thinking the parable doesn't tell us how the kingdom influence comes. And, of course, it's in Matthew chapter 13. So there's all those other parables that are telling us a lot about how it comes. It seems as though Jesus is simply promising that the kingdom will have an effect. The kingdom will have an impact. Make no mistake. Now, sometimes we struggle to see how God's kingdom is coming. Because we know when God's kingdom comes, it's literally making all things new. It's making things whole. It's making things better. Now, you don't even have to watch the news to know that bad things and sad things are going on around us. And many people are choosing to live as if God doesn't exist, as if the kingdom doesn't exist, as if God has never come, as if God is not coming again. 
as if God is not going to put everything that is wrong and bad to right. People are living as if good and bad don't matter, and if whatever you personally choose must be fine, as long as you, whatever this means, are sincere. But this parable is then very important, and we need to understand this. When we face with a world where bad stuff is going on, yeast doesn't have to be bigger than the dough to make a massive difference. You didn't need 500 grams of yeast to make a huge difference in the dough. Does that help you understand a bit about the parable? You see, one of the mistakes that we might make when we follow Jesus is we think we need to be bigger or we need to be more numerous or we need to be stronger than people who don't follow Jesus. No, the main thing is that we are just different. Just different. We're not trying to go after numbers or power or big budgets or whatever. We don't believe that if we had those things, we could make a difference. We believe that being who we are is the main impact the main effect. So Jesus is saying, you don't need bigger. You just need to be different. You see, the kingdom is in us. The kingdom's in you once you've come to put your faith in him. But there's something else about making a difference in this parable, and it's in the maths. Okay, now we've just seen the maths can get complicated. But the woman took the yeast and mixed it into... 27 kilograms or 60 pounds of flour or what was it called? In any case, they've got um, uh, ancient language, but it, it's about nine gallons if you need that or something like 52 liters of flour. 60 pounds of flour is a lot of flour. Nowadays, that might make over 100 loaves of bread, Okay. When I was a kid, back in the day when dinosaurs roamed the earth, uh, a pound of flour, this is actually like a pound of flour would make one loaf of real bread. Not this, you know, lightweight stuff that you buy that's already sliced. One loaf of real bread took a pound of flour. And it made one of those nine by five loaves that would rise high and bake with that thick, crispy crust. And my mom would make us walk down to the Toy Span Cafe early in the morning so that we could get fresh bread, the hot inside, and the crispy crust. Now, the thing is, when you had all this flour, so say you got 60 pounds of flour, normally you would not add yeast to the whole lot because once that yeast gets activated, it, you've got to go all the way with that whatever amount you mix it in. You can't stop once the yeast is in. It's like an activating agent and once you let it into contact with the flour and the moisture goes in, you've got to keep going. Now, Jesus, people would normally, so the boy with five loaves and two fishes, he didn't have five pounds worth of flour. They would make much smaller loaves in those days, okay? So this bread that this lady was mixing in the story is making literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ancient loaves. If you mix too much and you couldn't finish the process, then your flour would 
I think if you manage to bake all the bread, your bread would go stale. You simply couldn't eat enough. So the bread would go stale. The bread would go moldy. It seems like, like why did Jesus say 60 pounds? There's something in the maths that's really important about the meaning of the whole story. It's not just about the yeast. Part of the meaning is in the maths. Have I got your attention? You see, what Jesus is saying is once you commit, hold nothing back. That's what the kingdom is like. Once you commit, you give everything you've got and you hold nothing back. Team, once you commit, you give everything you've got and you hold nothing back. Explore, once you commit, you give everything you've got and you hold nothing back. And for those of you who are searching in a, in a spiritual journey and you're not yet sure, one of the things Jesus said is you're going to need to count the cost. And if you want the kingdom, you give everything you've got and you hold nothing back. Now imagine 60 pounds. You're adding the yeast and then she is layered and then she is kneaded and then she is folded and then she's flattened and then she's kneaded and then she's rolling and then she's folding. And she keeps going, and she keeps going with 60 pounds. This is hard work. I'm not sure we, she would have needed to put salt in. There would have been so much perspiration. But you know what? Like, sorry. Um, she <laughs> this is not a little task. What she is committing to do is going to take all her effort. But this courageous woman in this story goes for it. The task seems so big, but she gives everything, holds nothing back. The yeast is powerful, absolutely. We're going to look at that in our, as we wrap up. But we need to understand that if you want to see the kingdom, you give everything you've got, and you work your way through the whole batch. And then in those days, they didn't have freezers. What would she have to do with literally hundreds and hundreds of loaves? In the kingdom, we, you give it away. You share it. In the kingdom, you couldn't possibly keep all God's goodness and kindness for yourself. And you're not meant to. And so, suddenly, her task, her joy. Why would you want something moldy <laughs> and stale? So you give everything you've got. And then you give it away. It's an amazing picture. It's an amazing story. You see, we're not supposed to keep it to ourselves. So now let's think. We thought initially when we read it, the parable didn't tell us how the kingdom spreads its influence. But listen again for a moment. You see, the kingdom spreads firstly through its king. Remember last week, Jesus said, as he started his ministry, the kingdom of heaven is here. It's at hand. It's time for deep change. Repent. And then he said, follow me. You see, when the kingdom comes in, you're confronted by the king. He announces the kingdom, and then he says, follow me. He's recruiting for, as it were, those whose allegiance is his. 
He's going to show those who follow him he is the king. And that's what the rest of Matthew's gospel, Mark's gospel, you're discovering who he is as you go along. And yes, he's come to activate and inaugurate his kingdom to save, to heal, to forgive, to reconcile, and put wrongs to right. And this is what's going to spread through him. But understand this, it cannot happen without him. The kingdom happens through the king. You know, over the last few years, boys and girls, humor me for a moment. But Western society has tried an experiment called secular humanism. Say it after me, secular humanism. That's a terrible, terrible thing. I'd much rather say Jesus. But in any case, at its heart, what it wants is this. The benefits of God's kingdom while not accepting him as king. It wants dignity, it wants justice, it wants love and human value for all and so much more. It wants the kingdom, but it wants no king. If you think of what Jesus came to bring to create value and healing and hope, everybody wants his kingdom, but nobody, well, not nobody, but we all confronted by the fact that if you want the kingdom, you need the king. Very simply, it can't be done. So the question is, Jesus said, follow me. He's the king of the kingdom, and he steps in the kingdom of heaven. This is how influence comes. Follow me. This is how impact comes. Follow me. So do I follow him? And to follow someone, you need to believe them. You need to trust them. Like, do I deeply? And sometimes I find myself praying, just say to Jesus again and again, <laughs> you've won my heart. I trust you. I believe in you. You can never say it enough from your heart. Or am I trying to find a way to live life without him? The second thing, so the kingdom spreads through its king. Second thing is the kingdom spreads through its message. In those days, a kingdom announcement was called a proclamation. It was made by a Caesar or a ruler, and it was called the euangelion, the gospel, the good news. It was good propaganda. So whenever Caesar said anything, everyone had to say, oh, that's good news, because Caesar said it. Jesus comes, and in that face and in that environment, he says, I have a message. I have a, something to proclaim, to herald. I have the real good news. God loves you, wants to save and redeem you in the fullest and best way imaginable. And Jesus himself has come to overthrow the works of the devil and get rid of the darkness and the evil. And he didn't do it by fighting against people, even sinful people. No, he came to show kindness and to fight for them. He came to take the punishment for our sins that kept us from God and hurts our relationships with one another. He took that punishment into himself so that we could be forgiven. And he not only is willing to be our forgiveness, but he says, I'm your path home. I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes home to the Father except through me. That's in the context of talking about going home. He says, I'm your path home. 
Listen to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 12 in the Children's Storybook Bible. It says this, For anyone who says yes to Jesus, for anyone who believes what Jesus said, for anyone who will just reach out and take it, then God will give them the most wonderful gift to be born into a whole new life, to be who they really are, who God made them to be, to become their true selves, their own selves, as God's dear child. And so the kingdom spreads through its king. It spreads through this message of good news. And then the kingdom spreads through the king's people. You see, Jesus is either ridiculously proud and actually evil, proud to the point of being bad, or he's horribly deceived and unstable, or he is the rightful king. But you don't walk around saying, the kingdom of God is here, follow me. Unless you have something profound. You see, the danger is that we admire the king and the kingdom. But ultimately, we just ignore them. We admire, but ignore. Jesus asks for more. He says, follow. Trust me. Obey. And so like the woman in this parable, we're invited to hold nothing back. We're not being promised an easy life. This is hard work to work the kingdom through every part of a huge batch of dough. Working the kingdom into every part of my life will take a lifetime. But that's what I'm being invited to do. And then through me, God, the kingdom spreads through God's people. The kingdom spreads through its king. The kingdom spreads through its message, and the kingdom spreads through people who will do the hard work, hold nothing back, and give all they've got.